This podcast is brought to you by the award-winning Australian-made butterfly maternity pillow, which we are personally huge fans of. We certainly are. We love that it's multi-use and you can use it during your pregnancy and breastfeeding journey, but also that it comes with a removable tensile cover for easy care and comfort. And they sell out every time at the One Fine Baby Expo. They do. So if you want to grab one for yourself and want a sneaky 20% off discount, just <laughs> use the code COLDCOFFEE20 at onefinebaby.com.au. You're listening to a One Fine Baby podcast. One Fine Baby acknowledges the traditional owners of land and water that this podcast is recorded on and pays respect to elders past, present and emerging. How many times have you winced your way through that cold cup of coffee just for the caffeine kick? Or tripped over the same toy you've put away 10 times? We have toothpaste on our t-shirt and tiny humans screaming our name. The Cold Coffee Hot Mess Podcast is here to bring you the real side of parenting and serve up the juiciest survival hacks for this season of life that you can implement today. Hey guys, welcome back. It's your host, Olivia. And Nadine. And this is the Cold Coffee Hot Mess Podcast. Episode three. Episode three. Here we are. are. It's exciting. Can you believe it? I cannot believe it. I think that makes us like 43 in podcast years. 43 in podcast yep. years. That's the maths that I did. Okay. Yep. <laughs> episode three. Maths. We're basically geriatric now <laughs> in podcast years. It feels like it. I, know. I knew putting a podcast together was actually quite difficult. Oh, it's like a third child. Yeah, it is a third child. Third child that we love very, very much. More than the other two. It dem- the like, favourite child the at third the moment. child's usually the funniest, the cheekiest. and the- Well, this is certainly the cheekiest of the three. Anyways, shall we get into it, Yeah, Liz? sure. Yep. <laughs> okay. Today's podcast, I am so excited mm-hmm. to have Sophie from <gasps> Australian Birth Stories. Oh my God, queen. She is the queen. Yeah. And her wealth of knowledge, her experience. I don't know a pregnant person that doesn't, doesn't listen to this podcast. Yep. If you don't know about Sophie, you will know you, now. You will know after today. We know all the good ones. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So she dives into uh, you know all of her experience in all of the different parenting, birthing stories that she's heard from Aussie parents. And she dives into so many great things. She talks about the products that Aussie women yep. have to have for childbirth. She talks about, you know, the top experiences as they go through. So that way, pregnant people who are listening can better prepare themselves, know what's ahead. Absolutely. It's yeah. uncharted waters, right? Mm-hmm. She shares all of these incredible stories and it's like captivating yep. each episode. It's and amazing. this is, and you just learn from it. And everyone's got their own story For and sure. experience. Everyone's different. Mm-hmm. So you can definitely take away something from what she says yeah. today, but also her own podcast. For sure. Incredible as We're well. going to pick her brain good and proper. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. Let's get going. Woo. Let's go. So today we are so excited, so excited to bring you Sophie Walker, founder and host of the Australian Birth Stories podcast and author of The Complete Australian Guide to Pregnancy and Birth. Yes, which has sold over 15,000 copies. Are you serious? Yeah. Sophie, is there anything you can't do? Uh, <laughs> thanks. Oh. Um, thanks for having me. Oh, no, we're thrilled so to have you. I mean, those numbers are huge. Your social reach is 153,000. You've had 13.5 million downloads on your own podcast. Oh, my like, gosh. You are the expert. Can we get a slice of that, please? <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually quite shy, though. I'm doing One Fine Baby this year for the first time, and I'm like, oh, it'll be weird because so I've got all these numbers, but I work from home. <laughs> oh, my oh. gosh. You know what? The queue to meet you is going to be large, so I think we need to get in some security. Security for Sophie. <laughs> <laughs> So you chat to so many people who have just gone through their birthing experience and, you know, you obviously reflect all of that on your incredible podcast. So I want to kick this chat off by asking you from your experience and hearing from so many women and knowing all about their stories, what are the best ways that a woman can prepare for childbirth? 
I'm pretty biased on this one. Um, I'd say listening to other people's first-hand experiences. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I found it so beneficial when I prepared for my second birth. So I've got three boys. And my first birth definitely didn't go to plan. And the difference, I think, between the first and second mm. birth is I just listened to as many stories as I could. Right. And so that's kind of why I started the podcast and the feedback over the last kind of six years of people have just loved it and found it so beneficial. So I think it's a fantastic starting point to just listen to how other people have navigated their pregnancy and birth and then take on the bits that are relevant to you. So are there any other ways that women can prepare for childbirth? Yeah, I think ideally if you can start preparing prior to conceiving, that'd be like the gold standard because there's a lot you can do in the really early stages. So initially I feel like a lot of people came to my podcast having had a birth and Mm -hmm. wanting to have a better second experience. But Mm -hmm. over time as kind of words gotten out, people are listening beforehand and I think that's just ideal because there's a lot that you can do in the really early stages. Like once, by the time you kind of get a positive pregnancy test, you need to hit the ground running and you need to kind of know what your options are. And, and so if you've done a bit of that homework initially, you're in the best place to get into things like midwifery caseload, which we might get into. But if you just want your own midwife, you need to kind of book into that as soon as you get a positive pregnancy test. And if you're not aware of that, you're kind of on the back foot already. Is that the group midwife program that some hospitals run? Yeah, yeah. So there's a few different models of care but you can kind of have a team of midwives in the public system or you can have your own midwife and I was lucky enough to have my own midwife for all three births. And how do you get that? It's really a postcode lottery and a timing thing which is really devastating. We just hope that there's more places for more um, families moving forward but really it's just however many other people in your area are trying to get into the same program. Yeah, first in best dress. So what is the benefit of having the same midwife every appointment? Yeah, we know that continuity of care, so having that same care provider, whether that's an obstetrician or a midwife throughout your care, gives you the best outcomes because you build that rapport with them throughout the pregnancy. Mm -hmm. They get to know you, they get to know what you're hoping for and what's appropriate for your family. You're not kind of rocking up and seeing a different person every time who doesn't kind of understand you and your body. Even simple things like just measuring your pregnancy bump, they call that fondal height measurements. If you're getting a different person doing that every time, they've got different hands, they've got different ideas so yeah, yeah, right. yeah having that continuity is really important and not just in those antenatal appointments during pregnancy but actually in the birth so you're not trying to quickly make friends with someone and say actually I don't want an epidural or I do want an epidural and trying to relay all of that in the throes of mm. labor if you've had nine months to build that relationship mm. then they you can know have a much, yeah, yeah yeah and everybody's more comfortable on the day then So once you've checked out this midwifery situation, for me, there's just a wealth of so much knowledge, like too much knowledge out there, especially when you jump onto Google. Are there certain apps or books that you recommend that can steer them in a way that they can find out a bit more about what they're to expect? Without being overwhelmed, right? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, well, we wrote our book because we kind of felt like there wasn't a book out there for Australian women that wasn't, I mean, there's a kind of comical one up the duff that a lot yes, of people read. Yes, that's the that one I read, Kaz Cook, right? Yeah. 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 Um, not to throw any shade on Kaz, that's done very well over the years. And mm. the other more popular one is an American one, which just isn't even relevant no. to our healthcare system. Yeah. And I think it can be really overwhelming. There's a lot that you need to kind of get across really quickly and advocate for yourself. So we wanted to write an Australian guide that was 
gentle and um, nurturing and you can pick it up and read in bite-sized kind of chunks, different bits, or you can flick through. So like say you're suddenly diagnosed with gestational diabetes, you mm. can look that up and go to that section. Right. Yeah. I think it's a real balance of not scaring people but educating them and empowering them and we've tried to make a really gentle book that does both. And does it have a roadmap of all the um, trimesters and, and what to expect at each stage? Yeah, it's really mother-focused though. So some books um, will go, you know, your baby is a blueberry today and it's forming <laughs> hands. And I mean, <laughs> we do touch on those things, but we really focus on the mum because you sort of, as soon as you get that positive pregnancy test, you're thrown into motherhood and you have to make a lot of decisions and you have to really look inward and think about what's right for you. Like it's not necessarily what your best friends had or what your mother-in-law recommends. You need to kind of think what's important for you yeah. and your family. And we try to bring that right into the forefront at the very early stages of pregnancy so that you're empowered going into the labour and then yes. we all know the challenges of motherhood ahead. <laughs> well, first the birth, then the motherhood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember my last week yeah. this person stopped me across the road and said, keep it in as long as you can. And I was like, oh, that's so rude. What, you thought you were <laughs> pregnant? No, yeah, I was clearly like on the last week, 39 weeks. I thought you said this like, happened last week. I'd- <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm going to say, are you kidding? How rude. Oh, when you were pregnant. It's a whole new story. Oh, people love to give you advice, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> so we've got the book. Uh, we can research whichever stage we're at of our pregnancy. But what about when it comes to, you know, the latter stages of pregnancy and the birth? In your experience, speaking to so many women, what are some products, some key things that you find are, are really popular in Australian women? Yeah, I think um, some brands that I kind of love, and I only try and work with brands that I know and love on the podcast, Mm -hmm. and just promote things that I've used myself and I've loved over the years the Body Ice Woman packs you can freeze and eat when warm up Yeah, and so they're for breastfeeding and there's a perineal strip and I feel like people are talking a bit more openly or everyone's very open on my podcast but um, I had in my third pregnancy I've got a prolapse from my first birth Mm -hmm. I had vulva varicose veins so like you get varicose veins in your legs but you can get them in your vagina as well and so I use that perineal strip in pregnancy to just like help ice that area. So, so I no think icy pole. Early, <laughs> I use an icy pole yeah, back no in the day. <laughs> It's really lovely socks. Much better um, than icy plastic, poles. So you're not ripping it off with yeah. an icy pole. Do you know what a funny thing is? I need to is? know, was it lemonade? Uh, it was probably lemonade, but the funny thing is, is when I get to gave birth, I did use the body ice ones as well on my second pregnancy, yeah. but the kids actually use this on their foreheads now. It's one of those streets. Oh, you just too. keep it in the freezer. And then it's oh, just longevity. Um, it has got longevity. We love a multi-use around yeah, here. That's right. Oh. Yes. Yeah. And I think if we're, that's kind of pregnancy related, but in the birth space, I'm always recommending TENS machine. I'm yes. not sure if you guys use that. No. no. I love it. Friends oh, have. so good. Is that for the pelvic floor? Yeah, yeah. No, it's a pain relief. Uh, no, you put them on your back. Yeah. Oh, we did that with Sam Mack on Sunrise and we made him give birth. I'm uh, sorry, not we. <laughs> we, we simulated <laughs> him giving NG birth television. on live TV. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I know oh, the TENS machine. I think I saw that actually. Yeah, that yeah, was fun. Yeah. But it's amazing for us. Uh, pain it's relief. Quite, it's a little bit complicated complicated but it kind of confuses the pain pathway so you focus on the sensation of the tens machine rather than the contraction right. surge whatever you want to call it so yeah it's really fantastic particularly if you're trying to have a low intervention birth and it's great in the initial stages of labor and another really cheap easy one is a comb it has the same philosophy you just push the comb into the palm of your hand and you concentrate on that sensation rather than the contraction. Um, yeah, your uterus 
It's like mm. with just parenting in general, distraction is always distraction the key. Distraction is isn't it? key. During a <laughs> distraction, I'll distract, distract, distract. Learn it now and yeah. use it later. Yeah. <laughs> so true. Okay, so our next question is Do you think there is enough education around women's options when it comes to birthing? I don't really. And I, another thing I like to really encourage people to do is to form a good relationship with a GP early on because, as you guys will know, as mums, you use them so much down the track. And if you make a great relationship now, they can support you through the pregnancy and mm-hmm. and support the family moving on. But I think it's really important to know that if you're just going to a random GP to get that confirmation blood test, they'll probably recommend two or three obstetricians that they may have heard of or maybe they know through study or um, somebody recommended them. But they're usually not giving you a full breakdown because they're under time pressure as well of all the options. And there are a lot of options now and it is specific to where you live. So obviously if you're in a regional area, you'll have perhaps less options and maybe you have to travel further. But if you're in some of the big cities, there's a lot of different ways that you can choose to birth. So you can go public and have whoever's working on the day and just see you perhaps don't have that continuity so maybe you'll see an obstetrician one day you'll see a midwife the next Mm -hmm. or you can have what we were mentioning before you can have a team of midwives or you can have your own specific midwife there's quite a few different options in the public system and that's all free of charge Mm -hmm. and we know that like 96 percent of women I feel like there's a rise in home birth but at the end of the day 96 percent of Australian women give birth in hospital and 75 percent of those are in the public system so the majority of women are using those sort of three options yeah and then you can obviously choose to go private if you want and you can pay that all up front or you can have it subsidized by your private health insurance provided you've been with your care provider for the appropriate kind of window of time which is usually at least nine months mm-hmm. you can go that option and then there's publicly funded home births in some states so where the government will pay for that and you'll have a midwife come and do a home birth for you at home or you can have a private midwife and have a home birth and pay that out of pocket yourself so there's lots of different options and I think initially you're making those decisions quickly with the mm. GP but they're not necessarily always aware of all the options no. and they bias a bit too which yeah. is fine we're all a bit biased but maybe they're not pro home birth so they won't put that forward yeah. and then if you don't hear it then you miss out home know, birth so. is a big one home birth why why do you think there's been such a rise in home birth I feel so. like Instagram doesn't help either because it's it's uh what do you call it? Glamorizing. Glamorizing home births well, and stuff. Yeah. I've, yeah, we hear about all the successful home birth stories and it does make you feel like you're missing out on something a bit. Yeah, what do you think, yeah. Sophie? Well, it's actually really, I haven't had a home birth personally, but they're yeah. incredibly safe and the midwives uh-huh. that come are well-trained. And I think sometimes people kind of taint it with like free birth and free birth is completely different. That's not having a trained care provider with you at all. Right. But a home birth, wow. you've got a trained professional who okay. brings like oxygen. Oh, that's good to So know. if the baby needs oxygen or, you know, they've got medication on hand but I think there's been a real rise particularly during COVID because the rules of who can come and how many people you can have in the room with COVID people um, got really frightened of contracting COVID in hospital too so there was a rise during that time of people moving to home births and the the science and statistics back up that it's incredibly safe when done correctly and Mm -hmm, and a trained care provider knows when it's not going well they know to transfer to hospital so I think the evidence is supporting that it's safe and I think Mm -hmm. now there's a shift i know in victoria they're just opening up um three more publicly funded home births um to take pressure off the hospital systems absolutely and you're not sick when you're when you're birthing so um 
Yeah, that's, and I think that's a mind shift for people as well. You're not sick, but you do need um, assistance. So um, changing the way that we look at birth and the way that we kind of assist people is, yeah, there's a real move, movement, I think. Yeah. So, Soph, what about pain relief options? Because I know when I was um, in pregnant and thinking about giving birth, I was so scared of the pain because of, you know, everything, all the movies that hype it up and mm. the breathing techniques and all yes. this stuff. What are the pain relief options out there? Yeah, there's quite a few. And it's really important to have a good understanding of those before you're actually in pain, I think, because you, yeah. you reflect on things differently. And I feel like I've had three um, vaginal births. And my first, I had an epidural and um, I had syntocin in because I had a really long labor. And I adamantly, I'd done my research on yeah. the options. And I said to my husband, I don't want an epidural. I want to do it without. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I asked for one, he got in my face and he said, but remember you said you didn't really want to like, get out of my face. Listen, I don't care what I said. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, one of my girlfriends said, just walk in backwards. And I was like, what are you talking about walking backwards? Get the oh, epidural, just ready. get your back ready. I, yeah. I was like, I said, what? I said to Nathan, you're, you've got one job. Your one job <laughs> on the day is to make sure that the epidural is actually coming. Sometimes they say yeah. it's coming and it's not coming because they think you can do it. Your job is to make sure yeah. it's actually coming. And that's what yeah. he did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so, in, and I think that is really important that you knew you wanted one mm -hmm. and you knew to tell your partner you were serious about that and that's a decision you'd made. Yeah. I think other people um, go in and they think, oh, well, look, I've seen it on TV. It's going to be like incredibly painful and a hellish 24 hours and we'll just go with the flow and see what happens. And I think mm -hmm. that is to people's detriment. Yes. And we know that one in three Australian women report having birth trauma, which is alarming. And I think the big difference between coming away and feeling empowered about your, the way your birth unfolded, regardless of how that was, whether you chose to have all the drugs or whether you had an elective cesarean from the mm. start, mm -hmm. people feel empowered when they know their options and they felt cared for and they felt listened to by their yep, care providers. That's what I'm all and about. The, the Knowledge is power. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I think the trauma really comes in when you feel, feel blindsided. Suddenly you're mm -hmm. being wheeled over here. Suddenly everyone's telling you to do this, and you don't feel like you're in control of your body. It's yeah, it's your body and your birth, and it's really important that you feel um, in control in in that situation. And the best way to feel in control is to educate yourself and know all the things. So like when I. I changed my mind and was like, give me the epidural. I knew that it could slow down the labor and it meant I'd be birthing on my back and it meant that I might yep. need an episiotomy, but I, but I consented to that knowing, oh, knowing nice. those things. Right. Yeah. So I think people kind of often say, I wish I'd known. I wish I'd known that if I was having the epidural that it, it could have led to a whole lot of other things. And if you know, and you choose, then that's a different that's a whole different kettle of fish. Yeah, I think you're so right because I've had two kids and with Eva, my first, I knew I wanted an epidural just from historically my mum had them with all of us and I, and I just, I think without, you know, thinking about it too much, I just kind of said to myself, I'm going to have one. I didn't had, have any understanding of that it would slow down labour. We then needed intervention with forceps. Um, I had an episiotomy and I tore horrifically, um, but that sort of situation after having a perfect pregnancy and a near perfect birth up until the last kind of hour mm -hmm. yeah. then made me go, okay, well, when Freddie comes two years later, I elected for a cesarean because I felt did feel trauma and I wanted to feel more in control second time around. So it's, it's interesting yeah. what you say about being well-researched and being confident in, in knowing what's going on. 
And that sounds similar to how mine unfolded. And I and I went on to, to like deliberately want to have a vaginal birth and, and try and not have an epidural. And I mm. and I had a much smaller baby and a much easier second birth. And a lot of factors come into that. I think it's not just. Well, don't they just oh, slide on out on the second birth? <laughs> you just yes, cough, exactly. right? Well, when they my come out. was four point four, so I think he stretched oh, wow. everything beyond repair. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you do that. God love them. Yeah, God but love I, them. I think it's true though, and I mean, it, but statistically, we know that if you have an epidural, and it's not to say that they're good or bad, mm-hmm. but if you have one, you're more likely to go on to need other assistance. So what are um, the then other? You're also going to have. Well, once you have an epidural, you're on continuous monitoring, and that um, has its pros and cons as well. Then they're constantly checking the baby's heart rate, and they're checking yours because they've. Um, well, I'm talking talking months but they've intervened in the birth process therefore they have to check that you and the baby are tolerating that yeah and then sometimes they pick up kind of um yeah the heart rate of the baby and the mother they're monitoring that more carefully than they perhaps would be if you were um, just laboring without any interventions so what are the other options apart from having an epidural yeah, there's quite a few. So um, one that people would have heard of the most probably is gas and air. Mm. Um, and that's like breathing in the nitrous oxide. Did and that? there's um, a few different <laughs> reasons why people love that. Did you love it or hate it? Uh, I just remember bouncing on a ball and hitting my head on the wall. I was still in so much pain. <laughs> it didn't really work I heard for it does me. nothing for the pain, but yeah. it, it doesn't even take the, the top off, but it makes you high as a kite. But it helps that through. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's it. Right. <laughs> it, like it definitely when I want Yeah, it definitely helped with my breathing, though, because oh. I think you're forced to breathe you have to suck it in really hard right yeah and biting down I think people like to bite down on that thing yeah um but it gives you a bit of focus and it feels like and it is considered like a lower intervention so you're breathing that in you can stop it at any time yeah there's um there's a bunch of other things that your um doctor or midwife can provide um People sometimes have a shot of morphine, which can, um, right. in inverted commas again, take the edge off some of it. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's obviously the TENS machine that's like really low intervention and things like combs and distracting techniques, um, movement and water. Um, and then bath. obviously, mm. yeah, yep. Um, and whether you want to have a water birth, which is another really important thing to think about mm. in the beginning, because maybe you choose a care provider that doesn't have baths in the room. So you need to kind of know what you think you might want so that those options are there and I mean on the day you might feel like oh god I don't want to be in water um that doesn't feel right at all but if you visualize having a water birth and these incredible photos and then you realize oh my hospital doesn't even offer that then um yeah you're you could be in trouble out. yeah and I've heard that actually you need yeah. to tell them ahead of time um because the baths are so big they can take <laughs> forever to, to fill up it's not like it's an instant thing yeah. once you decide that it takes time. Well, the ward where I had, um, there's one bath. So if somebody else is in it, then you miss out. So I, oh, I think gosh. when I called, I was like, make sure that bath has like my name on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's all sorts of things like that, that you, which, which again, can be overwhelming, but you just kind of got to take one step at a time and just think of the next most important decision. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, deciding whether you want the epidural or not um, and having an idea of, have, of what, that involves and how that also can alter the birth process like there's different hormones that go on in labor and if you have an epidural that changes the neural pathway of how your body processes Mm. um, different hormones having a basic understanding of that and I mean those antenatal appointments with your care provider are really short you can't usually learn all of this or know to or know or remember to ask because you're 
exhausted. Um, so you've got to do your homework. That's right. So, so what would you tell, you know, women who are about to give birth? What's something you'd really want them to know before they step into the birthing suite? I just think it can be really beautiful. I think you hear a lot of um, people tell you all their own personal experiences, um, but it can be really beautiful and you can do birth however you want to do it, however it feels right for you. And the more you do your research and empower yourself in the pregnancy, the more profound that experience will be. And I just think I loved my births. I'd have a birth. Like I'd birth every day, um, wow. but I just don't want to raise any more kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they don't tell you that one. No, I hear a lot of people say they'll take the kids. But, yeah. yeah, I hear a lot of people saying they'll take the kids, but they'll skip the birth. But birthing doesn't have to be traumatic, no, the right? The other way around. Yeah. No. And I mean, my first birth was um, really harrowing, but my second two are amazing. And mm. um, and I think they can be really beautiful and you can have them the way that you want, provided you do um, yeah, find a care provider that, that fits with you and your family. Yeah, and at the end of the day, we live in such a lucky country that has an incredible health service. Yeah, healthcare um, system. You know, billions of people have done it before us, so yeah. we're just lucky to have that as a backup as well. Yeah, definitely. Sure. Okay, so we're going to finish now um, because you've spoken to how many women would you have spoken to, so who've given birth? Give me a ballpark. Um, I've got over 400 episodes, so about 400. <laughs> okay, so of those 400, this is asking a lot, but what would be the wildest birthing story from those 400 women that you've heard? Yeah, they're all pretty amazing and I can't. I don't have a favourite, but when I was thinking about this, uh, I mean, one of the most incredible ones, and to be honest, when I recorded it, I was a bit sceptical, um, but it was a girl who reached out to me and said that she'd recently given birth and she didn't know she was pregnant. And I think having been pregnant and birthed, I was like, how can wow. you not know? There's the kicking and there's the tiredness and the nausea and so many signs. Like, yeah. how could you possibly not yeah. know? Um, but this girl, M um, has had a long history of PCOS, so inconsistent periods. She also had um, IBS, so she had an irritable kind of stomach. Mm. And she saw the doctor throughout her pregnancy and said, I don't feel well, I feel so bloated. And they kind of did preliminary tests, but no one did a pregnancy test. No one test, did a pregnancy which blows test. my mind. <gasps> no. Wow. And when you see the picture of her holding the baby and she still looks in shock, um, she didn't even look pregnant. Like she just carried really small and um, and she genuinely didn't know. So she thought her appendix were bursting basically oh and she went God. into hospital with her mum yeah. and the baby came out. Was that labour? She thought it was so, her appendix. Yeah, she's oh just like, God. what is this excruciating pain? And <gasps> was in emergency and then, yeah, and then he was born. Oh, so, my goodness. Yeah. So what episode can we find out more about Em's journey? Yeah, if you want to hear that one, it's episode 264 on the oh, podcast. Amazing. So go and check it out. I'll be listening for sure. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, crazy. Okay, to summarise, what are the three most important takeaways you'd want any, you know, mother going in, into their birthing journey to know? Yeah. I think don't cover your ears and, and not listen to stories. Listen to stories and I think the podcast is designed so you can pick and choose. So you can start with really positive ones and then you can work up towards the more challenging one, ones. But I think you really need to listen to everybody's experiences so that you're not blindsided on the day mm -hmm. and it helps you form your own opinion of what's right for you. Yeah. And I think, again, obviously um, buy my book and it gently yeah. takes you through <laughs> all the sections, a shameless plug. Um, Why but not? I think yeah just slowly educate yourself about all the things that you might 
um, you might want. And maybe you, you read all of this and you go, you know what, I don't want to have any of the contractions. I want to have an elective cesarean. But at least you will have done your reading and heard the experiences of others and made that choice from a um, knowledgeable point. Yeah. And um, or I think probably the third one is get a good GP. I just think they're worth their weight in gold and you're going to need to um, call in on someone throughout your pregnancy and in postpartum particularly, which is so challenging. And if you've built that good relationship with someone you can trust and rely on, I think that that is really important. I would love to know a good GP. Oh, yeah, <laughs> They're very hard one, to find. Let me know. Hard to find. They are very hard to find. And um, do you know what I would love to know is how do you get the partner to read the books? Because I love the books. I read all the books and I could I gave it to Ed the night before I was due to give birth and he goes, fine, I'll read it. But, you know, he got through the first chapter. So how do you get him to read the books? I have heard feedback that people just subtly, when they're in the car together, put on the podcast and ah. just gently introduce them. I think audio is like a secret tactic. And um, yes. I've actually got my own birth class now and I've made that in audio format because people love podcasting so much. And that's also been really beneficial for, um, I've had so many couples say, oh, we listened on a road trip. And like the first module of the yes. birth class is um, really linked into, now this is a real generalisation, or stereotypical but it's all about sports and training for sports and looking at labor in that way and a lot of the partners are like oh I get that and yeah, that um, resonates and then they kind of get hooked yeah, cool. and then I um, mean then they're ready to hear more so I think subtly introduce it in an audio format yeah, yeah. maybe it's the baby moon road trip soundtrack yes, exactly on the way to the yeah, spa just, just slip it onto their phone <laughs> it's the last spa you'll ever have for yeah. the next five years no that's they won't it, regret it because i think partners always go oh my god i was not prepared for that yeah so the more you prepare them the more supportive yeah and be. it feels good knowing your partner I'm on the same page yeah. on the same page and is because they don't have that attachment. Like we have, it's in our body. We have the attachment. We watch it grow. We feel the kicks, everything like that. Yeah. So it is nice to know that if they've got some skin in the game and some form of information, mm. then, um, yeah. Feel more like a team. Mm. Yeah. And it's important too, because I think in mine, I was like nonverbal and I couldn't have quickly trained my partner up and said, actually, just push my lower back here. Yeah. Like you need to do that before labor starts because um, I couldn't have communicated Earthing anything classes. very articulately. What about yeah. birthing classes? Do you recommend them? Definitely. And I think that's a great point to introduce your partner as well. Yeah. We I mean, those. obviously, you've met your partner. Introduce them to the birth process. <laughs> yeah. I think you get them as part of the hospital yeah in the journey they provide them yeah, yeah. There's, there's lots and i've got my own one too the birth class but the oh, you can you get them through i think it's really important to do the hospital one though so mm. you know logistically i think people always go oh okay they go into labor often at night and they don't even know where to park or like where the entrance that's is. a good so point you need to do those recce's or the fastest route the google map route yeah. like making sure well, you should use ways because they give you the fastest route do they? Tell you about police. That's, it always bangs on about ways. Yeah, it's oh, good. good one. Okay, good. well, I'm a oh, Google Map girl. But yeah, and also that 100%, so know which level you're on, um, know the route to go. Yeah. Where you have to sign in, yep. where the, you know, the, where they'll sort yep. of hold you. After and, hours, particularly, because yeah. most people go into birth after hours, so mm-hmm. things are a bit different often. The entrance is different and sign in is different. Yeah, it's also quiet. I always envisage me going into labour and like red lights and screaming and yeah. it's, it's not like but the movies where you can just pull up at the front of the hospital, leave the car there for no, a day. No, absolutely like, not. You can't do and that. It's like, um, excuse me, <laughs> where's the maternity? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Level two six. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Great. Well, I think that was an incredible episode. Thank you so much, Sophie. Yeah, that was awesome. Oh, my pleasure. So many takeaways. And I think we're going to do uh, put those tips in the Facebook group. Yep, we will. Yep. Certainly. Those hot tips. And we can find you, Sophie. Do you, do you want to give us your yeah, where Instagram can we find handle? You? And... Yeah, you can find everything over at AustralianBirthStories.com. Um, but the podcast is on all good podcast apps and um, the book's in all good bookshops. All the best bookshops. Oh, well, thank you, Sophie. And there we'll be seeing you at One Fine Baby as well. Yes, can't so wait. So that's very yeah, exciting to meet you up face-to-face, which yeah. is what we love, get yep. to know you a bit we'll better. Hi. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, thank you, Sophie. Thanks so much. My pleasure. Thanks. Gee whiz, that was great, wasn't it? That was awesome. Oh, my goodness. So many takeaways. Sophie is one of the most experienced people in this field. So to have her give us all that amazing information, that was awesome. Imagine speaking to 400 women and getting all of that juicy insight. Yep. I'm going to go and tell my sister everything. She's due to drop in the next five minutes. Yeah, tell her to listen to her podcast. Oh, I'll send her the link straight away. Obviously this one too. Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant this one. Oh, no, you weren't pushing us? That's weird. Okay. All right, so what are we into now? Now it's time for... The Big Whinge. Okay, so my Big Whinge of the Week, I reckon every parent with a kid in daycare will know what I'm talking about and be angrily shaking from top to toe as I talk about this, but... Basically, this new subsidy kicked in in July. I've yet to reap the rewards of that. The very next email that came through to every parent's inbox in Australia, I reckon, was daycare fees are going up. Yeah. Enjoy that. How even? How can they do that, oh, though? Like, it doesn't make sense. Is someone not watching this oh, roll out? They're like a dog off a lead. No yeah. one's in control. So basically, we get this subsidy, but the, the rates have gone up. The rates so it'd go up. In a time like, when it's so flipping hard to yeah. just make ends meet. Yeah. Uh, no Fs given to parents by the daycares. Yeah. And have you talked to the daycare about it? Or? Gosh, no, I've got, no, I've got too much on my plate to do that. And I don't think it'll get me anywhere. But basically, I just want to whinge about it. Yeah, it sucks. It sucks hard. But daycare is so expensive. And we were talking about this, the preschools, how cheap they are, but they only do nine to three. Yeah. Is that right? And you have to make the lunches. Oh, you have to. But it's so cheap. But then daycare is seven to seven and there's such benefit with that. But yeah, we're kind of, anyone that works, there's no choice really. No, no. I'm a big advocate for preschool, but as you say, the hours are just so hard. Yeah. And, and with you know, every family needing two parents to work, basically yeah. just to get by, how can you make those hours work? <laughs> work if I no way. It's like a hamster on a hamster. Yeah. Oh, yeah like, that is a fair enough whinge. I got yeah. You. Yeah. Yeah. So now we're at the time that I like to call Hack City. Hack, hack, hack City. Are we ever going to get this right? Hack City. No. Okay, you can go first. Hit me with yours. Okay, so my hack of the week was given to me by one of my mother's group friends, who I might say has become one of my best friends for life. So mother's group is a hack in itself. Well worth doing. But this is about dummies. Mm -hmm. So when your baby is a bit older and can actually hold the dummy in their hands. So what, you're talking like six months? Yeah, maybe around about that. that. Just, yeah, when they can detect her. But they're in their cot and they wake up in the middle of the night and you have to run in and put the dummy in. So that's what I was doing the whole time. And I was waking up my sleep. Every hour? Yeah. Oh, 100%. Nightmare. Um, one of my friends just said, put six dummies in there mm. and let the baby figure it out for herself. So she it's could like just an grab it. It's like an picturing 100%. like in the dark. Just and it works. It wow. works. And within minutes, they'd be back to sleep and I wouldn't have had to get out of my bed or yeah, well, fantastic. can I give you a hack for your hack? Go for it. Apparently, these white noise comforters, like the Riff Raff mm-hmm. or the Cooey and Co, they're like little soft toys that kids sleep oh, with. Oh, yeah. yeah. So basically, there's a little um, strap on those toys that no one knows, but that's actually 
an attachment for the dummy. So these kids are always huddling oh. them and there's a little loop that you actually even is more meant chance. for the dummy. So it's even easier then to find it. To find it. Yeah, Fantastic. I found that out like yesterday. That is a good hack too. It's about All four right. years too late. But anyway. See? Look at us. <laughs> Look, when we combine, we make boo, magic. Boo, boo, boo. Gems, 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 gems for everybody. Go, go. <laughs> So my hack this week is all about mascara. Uh, mas- I know you love a mascara. Yes. Uh, but I used to get terrible panda eyes. I think I'm a bit oily skinned. Hmm. Uh, so I used to have these black shadows come two o'clock every day and I was so sick of it Yeah. Uh, that I got onto tubing mascara. Have you heard of it? No. Yes. So basically there are these mascaras that you apply and they form little micro tubes around each lash and they do not flake. They do not smear. They do not like rub down on your eyes. Uh, and at the end of the day, you just pull them off softly with a bit of warm water, and they just these little tubes all oh, out. Wow. Yeah. And ha- but how does it come off softly? You just mm-hmm. literally in the shower yeah. or over some hot water in the basin, just pull them off really, really gently, and they just slide off each lash. So it's not waterproof or anything like that. And I think you can get waterproof versions. Yeah. But I just use an MCO Beauty one. I buy it when it's on sale. How late is MCO Beauty? So many gems. I don't even care that they rip everyone. Off. Yeah, I'm here for it. <laughs> well, that was an awesome episode. Oh, it was such yeah. a goodie. And I hope everyone found all the hacks and definitely our whinge related. Oh, oh my goodness, who wouldn't? Yeah, and please share your whinges in the Facebook oh, group. We want you to just get in there. Bitch and moan away. Yep, you can see us commenting. Oh, yeah. We constantly. love watching it roll out. It's I'm awesome. in trouble nightly because I'm not out of that group. <laughs> it's Sorry, a good man. one. Yeah. So uh, the next episode drops at 5 a.m. on Wednesday. Is that all right, Sim? 5 a.m.? Yep, Too she early? Said yes. Who's up at 5 a.m.? <laughs> well, well, of us. She's yeah. dedicated. <laughs> Thank you, producer Sim. Um, so we hope you can, if you're going to work, you can listen to it in your ears on the way. Or if you're doing the laundry or washing, you oh, can. No, it if you're in. doing the laundry at 5 a.m., you're doing something no, wrong. No, not 5 a.m. Well, any time. Okay, sure. Point is. Yeah, point is, listen, but not that early. We, we appreciate you. Um, and we can't wait to be back in your ears next week. Don't work too hard. All right. Bye. Bye.